AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Everyone believes that their kids are special. But in August of 1846, a couple in Nova Scotia, Canada, had a truly extraordinary baby. Her name was Anna Hanning Swan, and she was born weighing 16 pounds. To put that in perspective, the average newborn weighs about 7 pounds. Anna Swan was huge, and it seems like she would never stop growing. By the time she was 6 years old, Anna was taller than her mom. At 11, she towered over her dad, too. She finally topped out at 17 years old, by which point she stood at a whopping 7 feet 11 inches tall and weighed over 400 pounds. As you might imagine, being nearly 8 feet tall posed some logistical problems, especially in the 1800s. The world just wasn't built to accommodate a person of Anna's size. It was hard for her to get around, hard to make friends, and practically impossible to get a job. That is until she crossed paths with the famous circus master, P.T. Barnum. When Barnum saw Anna, he saw dollar signs. She was exactly the kind of curiosity that people would pay money to see. And if that sounds a little dehumanizing, well, it was. But it was also an opportunity that Anna couldn't pass up. At 17 years old, she moved from Canada to New York, where she became a sideshow at Barnum & Bailey's Museum. Five years later, P.T. Barnum invited Anna on a nationwide circus tour. Anna probably had an inkling that traveling the United States would change her life but she didn't realize just how much. While performing in Kentucky in 1868, 22-year-old Anna met a man. His name was Martin Van Buren Bates, a Southerner through and through. He'd been a Confederate captain in the Civil War, and he prided himself on his chivalry, and Anna was smitten. It didn't hurt that Martin was seven feet, nine inches tall. The towering pair hit it off. Before long, they were both traveling with the circus, making a good living and seeing the nation together. Less than a year after they met, they took a trip to London, where they got married, officially earning them the Guinness World Record for the tallest married couple in history. Their nuptials made the news, of course, and the couple skyrocketed to international fame. Queen Victoria herself sent Anna and Martin a pair of watches made out of diamonds and gold. In 1871, the newly minted Bates couple moved to the small town of Seville, Ohio, where Martin set to work building a house. Everything had to be scaled up from the average, right? Their ceilings were 14 feet tall, and each doorway measured at least 8 feet high. Their countertops had to be raised, their chairs had to be extra large and extra strong. It was a massive amount of work, but when it was all said and done, Anna, who had never really fit anywhere, finally had a place that fit her. But as beautiful as their love story was, the Bates faced more than their fair share of tragedy. 
Anna soon became pregnant and gave birth to a girl who weighed 18 pounds. That's two more than Anna herself weighed as a newborn. Sadly, the baby died almost immediately. The following year, Anna gave birth to a second child, a boy they called Babe. Babe was 28 inches long and weighed 22 pounds. In Martin's own words, he looked at birth like an ordinary child of six months. This made Babe Bates the largest newborn in recorded history. But just like his sister, he didn't live long. Babe died just 11 hours after he was born. Anna and Martin never had any more children after that. They continued to tour with the circus until 1888, when Anna passed away at 41 years old. She left behind a legacy of truly gargantuan proportions, with world records for both her marriage and her son that haven't been surpassed in 150 years. Martin, of course, was devastated to lose the woman who had taken up such a big space in his heart and his life. He had a statue custom-made to put atop Anna's grave. It showed his wife as he saw her, a 15-foot-tall Greek goddess. These days, life-size replicas of Anna and Martin are on display at the Seville, Ohio Historical Society. You can stand right next to the curious couple. Although, if you want to see their faces, you're going to have to look up pretty far. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. In the course of human history, the line between science and magic has almost always been blurred. Take alchemy, for example. Aristotle wanted to turn lead into gold. Nicholas Flamel, who was a real person, by the way, sought the Philosopher's Stone. These were learned men who indulged what we might consider to be silly fantasies. But ancient alchemy wasn't a total wash. In fact, the idea that one element can be transmuted into another is central to our understanding of modern chemistry. You see, things are usually only ever considered magical until we understand how they work. That's why history is full of scientists turned spiritualists who explore both the physical and the metaphysical world. Among them are Marie Curie and her husband Pierre. In 1903, the Curies were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics for their work researching radioactivity. They were a scientific power couple. Marie was the first woman to earn a doctorate degree in France, 
and Pierre was a professor of a prestigious university. But despite their achievements, they were quick to admit how much they did not know. In a joint statement from 1902, they said, and I quote, We know little about the medium that surrounds us, since our knowledge is limited to phenomena which can affect our senses, directly or indirectly. In other words, Marie and Pierre left open the possibility that there were forces in the world beyond human perception. And for much of history, radioactivity was one of those forces. It was invisible. It was powerful. It was, in a word, magical. But Marie and Pierre had harnessed that radioactive magic and begun to understand it. They wanted to learn even more about the world's unseen dimensions, which is why in 1905, they attended a seance with a renowned Italian medium named Eusapia Palladino. Palladino's reputation preceded her. She was known as one of the best psychics in Europe, and she held seances with a number of scientists, including the French physicist and astronomer Camille Flammarion. Palladino claimed that she could summon spirits, make objects move without touching them, and directly communicate with the dead. Now, not everyone believed in Palladino's power. She'd actually been caught using her hands, feet, and even hidden strings to move supposedly haunted objects in the past. But nevertheless, when the self-proclaimed psychic came to Paris, the Curies were curious, and true to form, they approached the seance scientifically. It wasn't the shadowy, candlelit affair that you might expect. Instead, the lights were bright. That way, if Palladino tried to play any tricks, it would be easy to see. People held down her hands and feet so she wouldn't be able to pull any secret strings. And even with these precautions, things inside the seance room got spooky. In a letter written to a friend, Pierre said that he saw, and I quote, tables raised from all four legs, movement of objects from a distance, hands that pinch or caress you, and luminous apparitions. The Curies were so impressed by Palladino's abilities that they kept attending her seances. Despite their initial skepticism, they couldn't find any proof that the medium was faking it. Then so Marie and Pierre became some of her biggest supporters. The following year in 1906, Pierre wrote, these phenomena really exist and it is no longer possible for me to doubt it. There is here, in my opinion, a whole domain of entirely new facts and physical states in space of which we have no conception. Thanks to Eusapia Palladino, the Nobel Prize-winning physicist became entirely convinced that magic, in some form, was real. Just a few months after that, though, Pierre suffered a sudden and heartbreaking death. He was walking down a busy street in Paris when he slipped and fell, and a horse-drawn carriage rolled over him, killing him instantly. In the wake of this horrible loss, Marie's grief seemed to amplify her spiritual beliefs. Shortly after Pierre's death, she wrote in her journal, and I quote, I put my head against the coffin, and I spoke to you. I told you that I loved you and that I had always loved you with all my heart. It seemed to me that from this cold contact of my forehead with the casket, something came to me, something like a calm and an intuition that I would yet find the courage to live. Maybe, Marie continued, this feeling of calm was energy coming from her late husband. She could feel his love emanating, even from beyond the grave. It was the most beautiful kind of radiation, almost like magic. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. 
I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.